0: This world that we live in is full of men and women and children who are colorblind to the things of God. Who have never experienced what it looks like to live a vivid life or understood what it was like to have your life completely changed by God. But if you've ever experienced that before, you know there is a very big difference, a a noticeable difference difference between a full alive and vivid faith than a dull gray lifeless faith if you have a bible turn to Colossians chapter 3 we're going to read several scriptures here in Colossians this morning and really hit home on this he's Paul is speaking to this church and he's talking to them about living a Holy life. And here's what it says in chapter 3, verse number 1. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. He's speaking to believers. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. One of the biggest challenges you and I have in this life is setting our hearts and setting our minds on things above. Because we have so many things here and now in the temporary that seem to take up so much time and energy here. But what it's saying to live this life that he's calling us to live, first and foremost, we've got to set our hearts on things above. We've got to set our minds and our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, we, we see the life that he, he really has for us. So he goes on in verse number 5 and says, Put to death, that's, that's pretty strong language, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Then he mentions some things. Sexual immorality impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free or Christ, but Christ is all and is in all. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter your age, race, gender, nothing. None of that matters. He's saying this is available for all. Christ is, is in all. So I want you to think about this when he says, put it to death. Um, he's using really strong language to the way you used to live, and the way that you're not supposed to be living now is using strong legs. You need to put that to death. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a stray animal come to your house before. But if you have a stray animal that comes to your house and you give it a little bit of food, what happens the next day? It it shows up the next day and then maybe you're like, ah, I feel sorry, he must not have found a home and, and I should give him some more. And so then you give the animal a little bit more food and then... The next thing you know, he's sleeping on your couch. (laughs) That animal now is a part of your family. And and that's exactly how sin works. If it just gets a little bit of a foothold, if it just just gets its foot in the door, it will completely take over your life. And and that's what happens and and can happen in all of our lives. I've seen it happen time and time again in my life and, and other people's lives is we just give a little bit and the enemy takes Much more. Now, just so we're on the same page, when Paul says put to death, and I'm using that passage, I am in no way, shape, or form telling you if a stray animal comes to your house that you put it to death. I just wanted that to be. On record this morning, but we understand what can happen if we don't put it to death, if we don't get rid of it completely, it will always have a chance to have an impact or an impression in our lives. When I used to go to a church in in Florida, um, the pastor used to call those things articles of affection. Things in your life from your past or things in your life right now that currently draw and lure you away from the things of God from following him. And so he says, you've got to put those things to death because if you don't put them to death, there's still an opportunity for them in your life. Verse 12, he goes on and says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, uh, you, can, you can just kind of underline that or highlight that, that, that God calls us chosen, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. When he uses this language in scripture, we, we oftentimes we, this isn 't the first time he tells us to put on the new self, put on the the life that Christ has given us now in Jesus. Put that life on. And he describes that here as compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, bear with one another. Um, Have love and, and patience towards one another. Get along with one another. Settle your grievances. Forgive each other. And then... Above all, put on love. And so you, you kind of get this picture like you're, you're getting dressed in, in all of these things. And, and, and then you kind of put almost like an overcoat or you put on a, a robe or a cloak or something over all those things which represents love's love and holds all those things together in perfect unity. Verse 15, he says this. Let the peace of, peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as, one, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word rule, it really means, uh, the Greek word means arbiter, or you may, you may we can understand it better as, as an umpire, someone who's, who's, who's helping us to distinguish the, the good from the bad. And, and, and as we distinguish the good from the bad, it gives us peace in our hearts, peace in our lives. And so that rules in us, and, and we're called to peace, and we're to be thankful. And he tells us in whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, the question we want to think about today is Is there a noticeable difference between my life and the lives of those who do not know who Jesus is? Do I have a full, alive, vivid faith or a dull, gray, lifeless faith? I love the book of James, we're studying that on Wednesdays, and he he says it this way Faith without works is dead. Saying you believe in God, but not acting any of it out, not living any of it out, that is dead. It's unable to save. It's unable to save you, it's unable to save others. And so how would you describe your your faith to other people? Full, alive, vivid, or dull? gray, and lifeless. There should be a noticeable difference. When when I started to read through those things, sexual immorality, uh, greed, anger, malice, as I was reading through those things, it's easy for us to understand that those are things that we shouldn't have in our lives. And then as we read through compassion, kindness, humility, those those are things we we should have in our lives. So I, I just want to encourage you People see those things in us. People see when we're greedy. People see when we are angry, and all of those other things it lists there—slanderous when we have filthy language. The faith that God has for you, me, is full, alive, and vivid. He goes on in, in the second little chunk there. And he says, "Put to death those things." Remove anything that hinders you from following God the way he wants you to follow him. Remove it from your life. Get it out of your life. You have to, whatever you have to do to remove it, sometimes that may be a relationship until you can get to a healthy enough place spiritually to where you can be around that person. Some people in our lives just drag us down and they cause us to live in ways that we wouldn't normally live if we were around other people. Sometimes that's a person, sometimes that's uh, uh, a behavior that we might have in our lives. And so we need to remove that behavior or that thing in our life that lures us away from God. So when you find yourself sinning or doing that, that thing that you know is wrong and you shouldn't do it, what is it that's kind of the trigger for that? What is it that you're doing that leads you down that direction? And what he's telling us to do is you need to remove anything and everything that hinders you from following Christ. And, he, and then he tells us you should fill your life with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, surrounded by love. And so then the question is this. Is that what your faith looks like? If, if people were to describe your faith, if people were to describe you, would they say, he or she is compassionate? Gentle, kind, humble. They forgive, they bear with each other, they have love. Or would they describe you maybe as sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, or rage, anger, malice, slander, filthy language. What would they describe you? There, there, there's, there's a contrast here that's just cannot be missed by us. This morning. And so he's saying, put one of those to death. Let the others be alive and a part of who you are. Just like sin can just creep in and it can take over your life, so can these things can come in and just be who we are. Who we become. As we become those and as we have that faith, people are compelled by the lives that we lead. I want to show you one more quick little video about a man who... I would describe as having vivid faith
1: it's a sad fact hundreds of unwanted babies are abandoned on the streets of seoul south korea every year many of them do not survive and this tragic loss of life moved a pastor to set up a way for saving unwanted babies i first read an article about pastor lee in june of 2011 and it was all about this pastor in south korea who had built a mailbox for abandoned babies? 버려지기만 것뿐만 아니라 버려지고 나서 발견을 해야 되는데 발견을 못해서 아이가
0: 죽는 경우도
1: 생겼. 이 아이들을 보호하지 않으면 자칫 우리 대문 앞에서 사체가 발견될 될 수밖에 없는 그런 상황이구나. 나는 이그 현장에 있으니까 이 아이들이 해서는 죽겠습니다. It was like this guy had built a bunker for babies and uh, was defending it with his life and saying, no one dies here. And I was compelled by that immediately. I flew to South Korea to make a movie about saving babies. And I had no idea God was going to save me. So I became a Christian while making this film. And so Pastor Lee changed everything because he showed me what God's love was really like. The love of Pastor Lee and his wife it really gripped my heart because there's too few people in this world that really show the love of God. My parents me, but me. I the box. This is a matter of the heart. If that inherent value of the baby's life is not there, there is always going to be babies dumped in the trash. This When I was born in this world, I would never have to live in my life forever. God wants to use it. My son, my mother,
0: They really see Unman as a blessing and believe that God blessed Unman with his um, what we would call shortcomings so that Pastor Lee would start this ministry and save hundreds of precious lives.
1: So when people see this film, I hope they see something real. I hope they see the least hypocritical, least cynical, uh, most genuine love. At the very core, I hope it grips the heart of every viewer to say, we as human beings created in the image of God can do so much more for those around us.
0: When people
1: watch this film, they are going to come away with the understanding that every human life matters
0: his life has had the most profound impact on my understanding of the gospel here's this man that has literally sacrificed everything he's probably ever dreamed of for these children that's the most beautiful picture of the gospel we've ever experienced that
1: is what we need in this world today examples like Pastor Lee that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater example than the Dropbox.
0: That's a movie that you can find or watch online at this point. This was last year. What a compelling life. Not all of us are going to start a Dropbox or, or do that, but, but what can we do? What does our faith compel us to do? What is your faith compelling you to do? Because the Bible tells us from beginning to end that there is... It's not just enough to believe that there's a God. It's not just enough to believe that God exists or to say, God, I believe in you. That's not enough. It it compels us to do something. It gives us this this full life. My life is, is fuller now than it was before because Jesus is a part of it. My life is more alive now because I can see beauty in things I could never see beauty in before, before Christ came in my life. My life is more vivid. I have a different perspective on life and on people that I never had before Because Jesus is in my life. And so how are our lives different today? May 1st, 2016. Than they were, for me, it was October 13th, 1995. How is my life different? Have I always nailed it that whole time? Absolutely not. But. But this is, this is who we want to be as a church, is to live such compelling lives. This, this, this pastor in Korea, that what he did, but we can do things in our everyday life, at work, with your family, with friends. You can live life, you can help people in ways, you can be there for them. I, I've just been talking with, with a few people who have wanted to reach out to Pastor Lori, who, who lost her husband, is... People are wanting to do all kinds of things for her. Why? Because she's lived a compelling life. She's had an impact on people's lives. And so when something like that happens to you and to me, men and women and children who have been impacted by us should want to support and encourage and love through those moments. And so I just want to leave you with the questions Couple questions, this this vivid life, this alive faith. Is your faith alive today? Is it as strong as it's ever been before? Going through the motions of church is a is a dull, grey, and lifeless faith you come to church and you don't really get anything out of it other than feeling good that you came to church that day and you might have seen a few of your friends that you don't really get a lot out of it. That's not very filling. But when you engage with another person from church or when you engage God in worship or when God speaks to you about something in your life, it comes alive in you, it becomes alive in your heart and it compels you to live in a different way. So, is your faith vivid this morning? Is it as alive as it's ever been?